What's up, everyone? Security Unfiltered, episode 16. Yeah, it's 16. (laughs) Man, is it ever a a short week? It's always just a long week. I know. We got to figure out something that's just make people's weeks go a little bit faster and smoother. I think if we can do that, we'll we'll be billionaires. You know what we need? We need four day work weeks. Other countries do it. Yeah, well, you know. America trying to get too much shit done, man. America trying to get that money. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if, if it's getting shit done or is it just getting that money? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it has more money. <laughs> yeah, it's the money. It's the money. <laughs> it is, man. Crazy. Man, so that... So we were just talking about it, that Dell vulnerability that Dell's bloatware is finally real malware. <laughs> How crazy is that? Yeah, it's 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 an issue. Um, I think we've seen this with certain um, manufacturers before, Lenovo, Dell. I mean, it's not really shocking. It's not shocking, but they throw all that stuff on a system and it's not really programmed and created well. And next thing you know, it's opening up the back door into your system. Right. Crazy. I mean, I guess at this point, I mean, what do we expect? Right. I mean, if Dell can use it as a back door, why can't anyone else use it as a back door? You know, cause like there's, I just feel like with that on there, there's like no way that, they can say, oh, no, we can't access that machine. It's like, eh, I don't know about that. Like, I've seen some weird stuff before where you're doing reverse tunnels through a proxy and shit and, you know, just looks really funky, but you could still get in there if you really had to. I remember when Microsoft first released Windows 10 and that telemetry data, and they might have had some in 8, but I know that for Windows 10, that telemetry, that telemetry data, that that was a big issue because yeah. it was like, well, what are they what are they pulling off of my machine? What do they want to know? How are they using that information? And they made it so that the consumer version of Windows 10, the operating system, actually could not even turn it off. I know that for organizations and enterprises, before we even decided to migrate over to Windows 10, we used to bring that up, like, well, can we turn off that telemetry data? And they was yeah. like, yeah, we're going to have a group policy setting, and then you'll <laughs> be able to turn it off. And it was like, well, great. And also, we're going to also let you postpone when updates happen, because on the consumer side, we're going to force these updates. We're not even going to let you set a, you know, the ability for you to say suspend or or pause it or or tell it, you know, not to install for a week. They've gotten better at that, but it's usually because of the pressure. Right. Of people just showing outrage. But, yeah, what the hell is your software doing on my system? I didn't buy your your hardware a lot of the times for the software it comes with. And, you know, some cases Microsoft, but Microsoft, they only make hardware with Surface Pros now and and some of those things. Right. Um, But as a as a hardware OEM, why are you embedding your data and your applications onto my operating system? And a lot of times they'll say it's for support. And man, 
you only need to do support when I ask you to do support. Exactly. There ain't no reason for you to have, you know, support level access or whatever you can call it, you know, backdoor access when, uh, when I'm not on the phone with you requesting it, like there's no reason for it. And I mean like that, that really, that leaves a lot of companies most likely open to a lot of different vulnerabilities now. Like, you know, I mean, like now those companies legitimately have, you know, backdoors on all of their endpoints, which everyone's remote now for, for the most part, everyone is remote. And so, you know, your line of defense has moved. It's not like, uh, you can set up a a firewall, you know, like you could with the Palo Altos with, uh, like have it on your laptop protecting you from the unclean internet. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Who knows what that guy has on his home network. Right. So, I mean, like you're, uh, it's just expanding the attack surface like so significantly, I think, because a lot of these companies, they never expected to be a hundred percent remote. I used to work for a company that whenever I brought up, trying to be remote for something, they would just have me take a PTO day, which I thought was bullshit. It was the worst policy in the world. And, you know, they they had no plan whatsoever for anyone to ever work remote for any reason, like including the CEO. And it's like, dude, this guy's running a multi-billion dollar company and he can't work remote. (laughs) Like, And you know, with the pandemic, it just accelerated everything. And so it's like, oh, these people need to take their laptops home and do work. I've been at places where the CEO has had four assets. Yeah. And and so it's like, okay, but he can't work from home, but he has four assets. Um, You know, so it's kind of like, well, what are you really protecting here? Because the problem is, is that you have this faux... Uh, concept of what security is. So as long as it fits in your bubble and your box, then you're okay with it. But as soon as, you know, an event happens, a black swan comes, you can't react because you know what? You didn't even, you didn't even abstract the security layers that was there to determine, well, actually, do we even need this um, in order to be secured? Because like you said, now you move remote. Now his asset is on his home network. Well, is this man, does he have a like a, a, a torrent <laughs> cedar box? Right. <laughs> like he has every movie released in the last 10 years working on his ratio. And right. he has malware on that bad boy. And it's touching every single asset on his home network trying to propagate. So now you're exposing that home or that, that business office or asset to a home environment that's not trustworthy. So then the paradigm shift is, okay, well, zero trust, right? How do you ensure that no matter what network a device checks in from, that you can validate its security? Now, how do you do that when it has embedded software from a OEM that is probably not being, um, you know, tested to the, the level it needs to? And now it's a backdoor because unless they discover it, well... You have a zero day to just sitting there. And for Dale, 12 years, zero day. I mean, like Dell supplies computers for the government, like a, a lot of government agencies, you know, I, I don't know specific ones or whatnot, but I, I mean, 
Uh, that's a mess. <laughs> that's a mess right there. That that's that's unfortunate. Like these big vendors, you know, when they have such a far, you know, far reaching grasp on the market space. I mean, shit, like there needs to be whole audits of just that software. It's like, okay, you're giving me more than a computer here. You're, you know, you're giving me more than just Windows 10. You're giving me your Dell bloatware. You're giving me, you know, your stuff that you're like, oh, we need this in case we need to support you. Like, well, you know what? Maybe you need to find another way to support me. Use like a WebEx meeting or use a Google Meets meeting and I'll share my screen and you troubleshoot it from there. You know, like there's no need for them to have that sort of access. Because they're not really talking to you about their standards. They're not saying that, hey, buy um, 10,000 of our, our Dell laptop Model X. And 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 just so you know, the, our bloated software has went through rigorous, you know, static right. code testing and dynamic analysis and code review and right. we keep it up to date. And then we release on a schedule. It's like, you're not doing all of that. You, you just have something on there that's, Getting that telemetry uh, telemetry data that you want Crazy, to help man. you sell more services and products, and a lot of you know, um, you know, solar winds, right? This is just a supply chain attack, obviously, right? It's like if a threat actor gets into some of these big supply chain, these OEMs, these manufacturers, then that's their end. A lot of times, right, it's either going to be through the web app, it's going to be through phishing, <laughs> or it's going to be through the supply chain. Because for them, it gives them the biggest bang for their buck. Uh, email, you can shoot to 10,000 people. It just takes a couple of people to click and enter their credentials. And now, you know, you have a <laughs> foothold. Um, the web application, right? Well, they are exposing it to the Internet and they have an interface. So you can sit there and enumerate against tons of credentials or exploits if they didn't put, you know, uh, enough, uh, you know, filtering in place to block that, like with a WAF or with a, a you know, an edge content filter or, or something like that, like Akamai. But then the supply chain, well, what's the capability there, right? Mm -hmm. You do security awareness trainings for phishing to prevent people from clicking on, and they will, because humans, right? I, if you if you if you do a phishing campaign with twenty thousand people, if you had two hundred people, just two hundred people interact with that, right? You still have two hundred different possibilities to be hacked or exploited. But that ratio and that percentage out of twenty thousand, you're coming in at one percent less than one percent, <laughs> right? So from that perspective, you know, if you look at the metrics, you can say, well, we've only had. 1% of our workforce interact with our latest phishing campaign. <laughs> it only takes one. So you're going to always be up against it. Now, what about supply chain? And what about that, you know, that equipment that enters your, um, your office and it's sitting in the cage area <laughs> and nobody has paid attention to it for a month? Did anybody connect anything to any of those devices? Are there any rogue chips on those devices? Is the BIOS on it? Is the firmware? Is, is it out of date? Does it have a vulnerability? And when IT actually gets it, are they actually verifying any of that? Or are they just plugging it in, getting the image, and getting it out to the user as quick as possible? You know, I wonder uh, I wonder how long this was actually exploited for. And I also wonder if 
you know, maybe these attackers are, I mean, they've probably already done the work. They're probably already in there and whatnot, but I mean, HP does the same thing. You know, I'm sure that there's something on there from Microsoft when you buy a Surface that, you know, Microsoft is using to get some sort of analytics from, you know. Asus does the exact same thing. They have bloatware on there that does different things. I mean, I I don't know if it's actually, I you know, to be honest, I have an Asus laptop and I just uninstalled the software like the minute that I got it. So I don't even know what it's called. But I mean, like this, this is a problem now, you know, like I guarantee you that in the next like six months, we're going to be hearing, you know, something similar about like HP because I mean, they're doing the same thing. Yep. Unless HP has much more rigorous uh, security protocols around, uh, you know, software that is residing on (laughs) all of their endpoints throughout the entire world. Well, hopefully that shows up on their, you know, their balance sheet somewhere. Because I, I would love to show or see where uh, some of these companies that trade publicly actually show their investment in cybersecurity when it comes to their bottom line mm. and top line. Um, because the thing is, is that that's often hidden. And so you don't know, right, how rigorous it is. They should have to report that, man. Hey, man. Because, I mean, like, why am I going to – if you're a financial firm, why am I going to give you millions of dollars to invest for me to make me more money if you ain't spending – 10% of what I'm giving you on security. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like what's, what's there to ensure that my money is going to stay mine <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, actually like get a return on it. Yeah. How are you going to make sure that if you're going to build me something that it won't collapse immediately? Right. That there should be a certain amount of information you're going to provide to me that lets me know that you take your, your stuff serious, your risk right. management serious, your vulnerability. And they put all kind of risk in their 10Ks, but it's so general. It'll say that, you know, we can potentially, you know, not meet revenue targets if there's a security incident and it affects our IT because our IT is using to perform a lot of operations, et cetera, et cetera. Cyber incident, cyber incident, <laughs> malware, cyber incident. They do not get into it. And you know, the thing is, is that a lot of times you would expect they would have to get cyber insurance to cover them for certain kinds of, you know, malware, whether it's ransomware, they losing databases. If, you know, they, they have coverage, right? They have to have coverage, number one, because if they're providing a service and the data center goes down, well, they might owe money <laughs> to the people <laughs> right. who are using the service. A lot of money. And, and so they, they're going to have insurance. But, you know, a lot of times... The public doesn't get that kind of visibility. Only investors mm-hmm. do. And you can kind of say that's a disadvantage, right? Because the thing is, is that you may invest in a company that doesn't take security really that serious. And so what some people will say is, is well, join their town halls <laughs> and <laughs> listen to their you know quarterly conversations, right? right? It's like, yeah, please. I, we know how you guys feel about CISOs and the security team. You're not giving them any real opportunity to flesh out the practices in your organization on a publicly, you know, held town call or, uh, you know, uh, uh, earnings call. So, you know. Right. I, I feel like they always, the executives always underestimate how much a breach would actually impact like the value of their business. 
I mean, just look at, uh, just look at, what was it, Equifax? Yes. Like, oh my God. I, I mean, tens of billions. Insane. Insane yep. amounts of money. <laughs> you know, I mean, can you imagine if that CEO, like, you know, kind of saw the future or, or had a good, you know, um, just a good vision of their security posture and was like, hey, maybe we should invest more money into this to avoid, you know, this, uh, <laughs> to avoid getting breached, me losing my job, the company losing tens of billions of dollars, going before Congress, throwing a vulnerability management guy under the bus. I mean, <laughs> that was that was pretty crazy because the thing is, is that I think a lot of people came out and immediately kind of flagged that that's that the CISO at the time didn't have a a cybersecurity degree. Right. And I was just sitting there like, oh, hell no, 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 no. You guys are dropping the ball. Yeah. Their degree has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not they have support from the stakeholders above them from their contemporaries. That's, this is a cultural issue, right? This is not a degree issue. It's a cultural issue. Either you take security seriously and you, you provide funds and resources so that you can get it within a tolerable, you know, risk threshold and you reward your CISOs and your directors and your managers for bringing attention to you things that could potentially cause a huge impact to the company. Or you tell them to, hey, look, manage this, you know, to the lowest cost you possibly can. And I'll make you a lot of money. You can underpay everybody under you. And we'll give you a company credit card and let you take a couple of trips every year. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying right. anybody is doing that, but I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> you wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> wouldn't be shocked at all. Hell, I'm looking for uh, where you sign up. No, I wouldn't. I, <laughs> I care too much about the quality of my work, but I can tell you it's probably a lot of people taking advantage of that situation. Yeah, I care, I care way too much about, um, you know, my name. Yeah. Than, than doing that and abusing, you know, company resources and not just simply not doing my job. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I, I care too much about my name to uh, be able to do that and tarnish my reputation internally or externally. I it, ugh, man, it's just crazy. It's it's so crazy. Like. I mean, how much did the control cost that would have prevented it? Like, what, $10 million or something? $15 million probably because of the size of their organization. And let's assume that they had to go with a really expensive tool, you know, top of the line. And that vendor just outpriced like the shit out of that tool, you know, overpriced it. You know, like, let's just assume that. And they just paid it just all that. 15 million that sounds good to me. Right. You know, that that 15 million dollar tool just cost you like 20 billion. Great job. Yep. <laughs> yep. That 15 million that you didn't spend. And you and, saved it. <laughs> you know what's what's weird is that it can be something as 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 low cost as a process and a process that you actually already have in place. Yeah. But it's just 
hard getting people to move to press a button for you. Right. Because I think that this was a vulnerability that they said came up in a scan like a, a two months before it was exploited. I can't. I can't it was like 14 it. months or something. OK. So, if they, yeah. So that means they had even more, you know, time right. to kind of patch it. And so did they actually come back and say that, hey, we've been testing this and, you know, in UAT and in development, if we make this change, it just breaks everything. And we can't do that, so let's accept this risk. Or was it just a part of a, a cultural, you know, set of uh, activities that just, you know, they it was like, hey, look, if nobody complains, you know, then let's just do what we do. I feel like at companies that actually care about security, after that event happened, it is so much more difficult to get a risk accepted. I yeah. mean, like, oh, my God, it is so difficult. I haven't been able to get a single risk accepted in a couple years. I mean, no matter how small or how big, like, it just doesn't get accepted. It's like, no, we got to we got to fix it. Doesn't really matter. And it's like, man, this is such a small, minuscule thing. It literally doesn't matter. Like, I'm the expert in this area. <laughs> I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. And you want me to waste time and resources on this. Okay. Hey, Joe, I'm going to tell you, the, the quickest way to, 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 to get that kind of reaction is to ask somebody to sign their name next to something. Because yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they don't want, they don't want their name associated with accepting risk. Right. It's like, I'm not signing my name there. I have also used that. Uh, I don't want to say against people. But yeah. I've used it to, uh, you know, voice my opinion where, oh, we don't want to turn on Windows Firewall. Why would we have to turn on Windows Firewall on a server when we have Palo Altos on the network? Right. Well, yeah. I understand where you're coming from. And yes, Palo Altos are great and all. But let's assume that mm -hmm. someone gets past our dumb firewalls. Exactly. Don't we want to have another layer of protection to literally, if it is literally just to say to Congress, we did everything that we could. We secured it as good as we could and they still got in. What do you want me to do? You know, because they're going to point out, hey, you didn't have your Windows firewall turned on. Who accepted this risk? And then, you know, I just called out that person. I'm like, look, you're the guy in charge. You're the one that's going to have to sign your name next to that risk. And you know what that means? Just based on the Experian or the Equifax breach, they're going to call you before Congress. Are you ready to do that? I mean, you'll get a company lawyer, but are you ready to put your neck out there and be like, yeah, I didn't, I accepted this risk of not turning this on and now we're breached, even if it's not the cause. <laughs> they, the, number one, they, they, they're afraid that it will break everything because yep. they don't know how anything is configured. They don't know what ports it should have been opened up to one, like internally based apps. You know, they have flat networks. <laughs> you turn on that firewall, you're going to hear a whole bunch of complaints. And it's like, well, why don't we have the rules known? Why, why don't we have these these right. things configured, you know, properly? And it's like, we've never had time. We've always been running against, uh, you know. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah, well, it comes back. <laughs> And 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 it will. the firewall thing it helps because I've seen it where we've could have used it for micro segmentation purposes, mm -hmm. just to say that hey, just just little cluster of um, you know systems on a network, 
We only want it really communicating with each other. I shouldn't be able to ping this device from a VPN connection on the other side of the planet. What the hell business case do I have to being able to reach this asset? Have none at all. But my packets can reach that machine. So I can run Wireshark. I can run, uh, you know, Nmap. I can do all kinds of things, right? And I'm just like testing to see, you know, what's going on. And then if you come back with that information, it's like, yeah, they're always up against the the grind, man. There's too many projects taking place. Yeah, I would say most most of the time it's like a prioritization issue, right? Like, it's like, oh, we'd love to get to this, but we have 15 other projects that we have to do this year. Yes. You know, so maybe we could get you in in two years from now, you know, because we already have next year planned, you know, like some of the shit I've heard, man. And it's just like, dude, like, what are we what are we talking about right now? Like, What are we doing here? Are we trying? Are we trying to get breached? Just let me know if we're trying to get breached. I'll turn off them Palo Altos. <laughs> you trying to get breached. You trying to fill an audit. You try to. I do won't. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone out there that's hearing this is like, shit. Joe's a little volatile. Turn off Palo Altos. No, I will not. <laughs> Got the script ready. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> Could you imagine if a if a script was able to just do that? I mean, like, <laughs> God. See, I'm gonna tie it into everything. Uh, <laughs> the APIs, all that, dude. I'm I, I'm sitting in fucking rest calls to turn all this shit off. You got a developer that can reboot a Palo Alto. <laughs> oh, this ain't going through. Let's just reboot it real quick. Hasn't been rebooted in five years. Like, <laughs> hey, that those are, um, Experian had an API exposure this week as well, or last week. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and so it uh, the way that the API was constructed, it lets you just throw credentials against it. And eventually, I think it was allowing for up to ten mil- tens of millions of um, uh, credit scores to be, um, you know, to become visible. And I mean, you would think after what happened to Equifax, right, that if you have an API <laughs> and it's public, publicly exposed. You think it would be secured? I mean, like the amount of uh, like just... Like, it's hard for me to still get shocked, but I'm just like, you in the field, in the sector you're in, and the service <laughs> you provide, right? you didn't think that, like, <laughs> just a couple of hardening passes right. was, okay, wow. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember I was at one of uh, Equifax's competitors, like, just after the breach happened and i mean it was a blank check you could get what you need hire who you need do what you want security you now run the show and I mean, it was like that for you know a good year two years you know some people made shitload of money deployed technology significantly faster than we ever should have <laughs> i mean yep. you know technology that when the vendor says, oh, yeah, you uh, deployed our tool the fastest in the entire world out of our 25,000 customers or whatever it is. 
And so we went and bought you guys drinks and pizza and everything because it was really impressive. And we brought our architects over and you guys told us, you know, what you guys did and how you did it. And I was like, well, what like what was the record before? And he's like, Joe, on average, it's about 18 months. What did we do it in six weeks? Damn. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> did we even unbox? <laughs> no, it's just, it's, it's a star. We just, we just rested it on a rack. You, you cut a hole out for the power input, yeah. you know, and you just plugged that bitch in and plugged it into the wall. And didn't even take it out of the box. I ain't got to worry about cooling this one. We got to get this thing going now. <laughs> it was crazy, man. And and that's that crunch. And and that's where, you know, you don't you just never have the opportunity to get it in right, do a full assessment, determine what the gaps were, do a risk assessment. Yeah. Do risk management and, and get people to sign their name next to set something and say, hey, look, we're not doing this because we're doing this in six weeks. So just so you know, you know, but it's kind of like, hey, like, look, look. We're selling something to a client over here. So yeah, uh, take that security stuff somewhere else. You know, besides, besides the whole, you know, no sleeping thing, you know, because you can't be sleeping when you're trying to deploy that tool in six weeks when it takes a normal company 18 months. Um, you know, besides the whole no sleep thing. We deployed it in such a way that wasn't optimally configured for the infrastructure to run. And so we're running into so many issues because, you know, it it was it was all just slapped together, uh, you know, before like before we could even get the architect like diagrams from the vendor. Yeah. From our pro serve that we paid tens of thousands of dollars for we were deploying it and throwing rules in there and doing account rotations, all that stuff. I mean, we shot ourselves in the foot for years to come just those six weeks. I mean, yeah, it was deployed. Yeah, it was working, but I mean, the outages that we had, I mean, you remember like, Mm -hmm. I would just text you and be like, man, I, I, I just saved us from three outages today. Uh-huh. I literally walked in and, you know, my daily routine. Hey, let's see how my servers are performing. Oh, shit. They're about to fall over. <laughs> let's start fixing things. 10 a.m. Maybe I'll get a lunch in there. Come back. I got to do it again before I go home. You know, do it again, obviously. Oh, yeah. Changes all night. Not much sleep, man. Like I said, I had hair before this <laughs> roll. And now, now there's no hair. <laughs> so that roll shows up on you every day. <laughs> it, yeah, I remember it. And, and what's interesting is that I also think that, again, that they, you know, some of the companies that we leverage, like I said, they introduce vulnerabilities. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily end up being something that an external person exploit. 
it literally breaks the functionality of the application and causes an outage. Or it causes you to have to put back in 10 to 15 to 20 hours of configuration and administration effort that had already taken place because, well, it went ahead and it reset, you know, certain property values across the board. And it was like, well, why is this doing that? It's like, oh, yeah, we've heard we had some complaints about that. We're working. Right. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a, it's a vulnerability, just point blank. It's a vulnerability that is introduced by the vendor. You know, I, I know in engineering and everything, we call it a bug. But I mean, shit, if your filter isn't working, when I try to go and do something within the tool and it doesn't accept the filter and it impacts, you know, 10,000 accounts that I didn't want it to affect or impact, or maybe it brings down a whole bunch of servers, you know, like, I mean, that's a vulnerability, you know, like, and that vulnerability is being exploited by someone internally, unwittingly, you know, like I, I had no intention of, of doing, you know, whatever, um, not saying that this has ever happened. It's just an example. Okay. So it's not like the engineer that was, you know, trying to reboot this one server from a management console wanted to reboot 10,000 other ones. (laughs) That's not the case. Right. You know, they only wanted to reboot the one because they only had the change in for one and that's all that they wanted to do. And in most cases that engineer is fired because the company had a bug in their product and either they knew about it and didn't patch it in time or they didn't know about it and it's still an issue. Yep. And it get, if it's an outage, you know, you can have brand damage, right? So yeah, the vulnerability was exploited. It doesn't always have to be a bad guy trying to perform malicious activities. It can literally just be that, hey, you know, the last stair and your stairwell is like literally getting ready to fall apart. <laughs> and somebody is going to take that last step and it's going to fall apart and they're going to break their ankle. That's a vulnerability. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be a bad guy waiting to push you down the stairs to get that same outcome. <laughs> it can literally be that, you know, your software isn't behaving properly from a, you know, the application logic standpoint. Or that when you press that button, another button <laughs> is activated for some reason. Um, and, and and then there's unintended consequences. And those unintended consequences can show up and, you know, well, now, now your e-commerce uh, portal is down, you know, and people are trying to, you know, get access to it. And this is your, you know, your Black Friday or, or, or whatever your sales day is. And now yeah. we realize that, you know, you were down for eight hours because somebody (laughs) made an innocuous, you know, change and you didn't understand how the application was going to handle it. Yeah. Uh, man, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I can't, you know, circling back to Dell. It's like, I just expected better. It's like, uh, that parent, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, man, we all knew 
that that shit was malware that it was bullshit you know that you have to uninstall it but i mean no one actually sat there and was like oh yeah this is a real back door <laughs> and lo and behold it's a real back door yeah you can exploit it and the world is yours and there's a lot of scrambling getting ready to happen because there is no uh, patch out for it right now. They're working on it, but you have to remediate it via removing the file off of the system. Right. And hell, we already know how tough it is, is to get <laughs> that kind of activity turned around. Right. Uh, even when there's an audit involved or a certification involved or you're in the middle of incident response. Now you say that, hey, here's another vulnerability, zero day out of the dozens released every single week. What's the urgency of this for your organization? What security you guys say everything is urgent. Right. I guess we'll wait until we're in the headlines. (laughs) I mean, it's like the only thing that we can do at this point. That's the only time you're going to get you're only you're going to get anything done. It's the only time you're going to get the money that you uh, need to get it done. The only time you're going to get the real headcount that you need. I mean, like, you know, I'm having conversations with other managers of other teams and they're like, oh, yeah, we actually need five more people. Oh, well, how many are you asking for? Oh, most I could ask for is two. Right. And they'll probably give me one. Yep. Like, dude, what is going on that they literally can't give you? a head count of five, like, or even four or three, you know, it's what a shame. What a shame. Because when, when they get breached, all the money is there. The CEO comes down from his, you know, high and lofty office, hands over a check, just says, (laughs) do what you need. Well, he hands over those four laptops to say, it's some kind of, (laughs) some kind of malware on these things. Can you fix this? <laughs> some kind of some damn malware on this. Say it's on two. It's on two of my Macs, one of my iPads. I got a Surface Pro, and I got this Lenovo. And damn, I gave the daughter to Dale. Is the Dale okay? No, the Dale is so, not okay. Somehow it jumped to my phone. <laughs> right, and you know what? Let me check with my EA because actually I don't even check my own email. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> my executive assistant might be exposed. <laughs> well, we'll keep a job. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be openings for us. You know, I, I was responding to someone the other day on Reddit who said, Oh, you know, I'm graduating with my master's in cybersecurity and I've had a couple of interviews and I haven't really gotten anything yet you know, is the job market really that hot as everyone is saying? And I'm like, look, you know, you got to keep applying. You got to keep trying. Eventually you're going to get something. And when you get something, you're going to get the skills and the experience that you need. And once you get that, I mean, you're going to be getting emails, phone calls and messages on LinkedIn every damn day of the year, like Christmas. It don't, it doesn't matter. The recruiters don't care. <laughs> you know, they will, they will absolutely reach out to you like, and just harass the shit out of you. 
in some cases for you to take a role. And it's funny because you can start a role on Monday and you could have a recruiter reaching out to you Tuesday, Wednesday of that same week being like, Hey, you want to come work over here? Dude, I, I literally started 24 hours ago. 24. Let me, let me at least develop a problem with my workplace so I can have a sliver of a reason for leaving. Once you once you arrive, you arrive. It's, it's almost like being a coach in the NFL, right? It's yeah. like, even if you're terrible, you're going to be recycled at least three times, right? You can get fired. Gotta try them out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you come and be our coach now. It's like, once you are in security and you have a position and they let you come in there and look at their alerts and stuff, not saying that you you shouldn't work hard and learn as much as you can, but right. in terms of the the market out there and the recruiting and the staffing, it becomes a lot easier to sell yourself and to become attractive in terms of you know being a, they are always going to value people who already have a job more than people who don't, right? Um, because to them it seems like they're taking something of value away from somebody else, and. There's this there's this thing that people tend to have where, you know, you can be offered something for free. That's fine. But then if the same thing is offered with a price next to it. Even though you may take the free one, you still think that the one that has a cost may be more valuable. Why? Because it has a value attached. And so when you don't have a job, it's almost as if you're willing to take the job for free. So a lot of times you're not as. um you're not in a position to tell them, no, I don't like your role. I don't like your salary offer. I don't like your PTO. <laughs> this is not the job for me. Bye. Right. Yeah. When you have a job, you're much more in that position where you can sit back and say, impress me. Yeah. Sh- show me what why. Yeah. I should leave my current place because, you know, I hate them, but I'm not letting <laughs> you know that. <laughs> <laughs> I love this place. You have to convince me why I should leave, right? And obviously, it's mutual. And you know, you're looking for a good situation, but right. Yep. It's interesting, man. It's it's interesting. The whole job search, job market. Not saying I'm searching or anything right now, but it's just it's wild. <laughs> I remember one time, not recently, a couple of years ago, I, I I put on LinkedIn, you know what that whatever that flag was like open to work or some shit and i mean i did that at like 9 10 a.m and by noon i mean my mailbox had blown up my phone was ringing off the hook like guys i'm not even that good like come on (laughs) we like your name and we heard your voice yeah we saw your title had security in it (laughs) And so we gave you a call. <laughs> we just doing our due diligence. Right. <laughs> We're going to talk to everybody out there. Crazy. Man, well, this was a good conversation. I uh, I should probably get off because if I don't feed my wife soon, if I don't go get her food, man, she's going to rip off my arm. Don't get in trouble, I will be good. Yeah, you better go ahead and eat. Eating... Actually, it helps you because it keeps you moving. What? Well, you know. Stop with that logic. Eating and getting rest 
and taking breaks. Now I know some of our, some of our jobs don't really. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, job. Let me get some rest. Let me drink. Let me eat. And let me get a break every now and then and just see what kind of results I can pr- provide. Right. That would be crazy. Fictitious world. <laughs> no rest for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, hey, guys. Thank you for listening. You guys are awesome, as always. Uh, we we did have something else planned for this week, but we will be rescheduling that. But uh, we we still think that you guys had a great great content you know of us talking about this uh vulnerability and just bullshitting like we normally do so thanks for listening guys you guys are all awesome uh stay safe have a good weekend for all you guys celebrate mother's day see you